0: Hey Trojan fans, welcome to the Armchair Quarterback Podcast, part of the com. We started this a few weeks ago where we talked to former USC Trojan quarterbacks. We're going to bring on Shane Foley. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Shane Foley USC and ShaneFoley.com. What's up, Shane? How you doing, man? Hey, Ryan. Great to be back. Fired up. Uh, got that win last week in Notre Dame week. Looking forward to it. Yeah, lots going on, and we, you know, Notre Dame week is a big thing. That's we want, love to talk to former players about that because there's always some great memories and uh, chilling things of coming out of the tunnel and with the big rivalry and all that stuff. We'll get to that, but we wanted to talk about sure. uh, this game uh, first. It was Coach Edward Orgeron's very first game uh, as the head coach of the USC Trojans, and wanted to get your initial thoughts on on how he did game one. Yeah, I loved it. I loved it, and certainly. Coming in in this situation, first time in in
1: USC's history, having a coach take over midseason, and Coach Orgeron was the right guy at the right time. Uh, You know, Pat could have gone a couple of different ways, but bringing Ed Orgeron and really promoting him as the head guy was really the right guy at the right time. He understands USC. He understands the culture, the energy, the passion. I think he did everything the right way, distanced himself. uh, Really, I think, politely and and, uh, respectfully, From the previous regime and and now I think he's making this his own team and he's got buy-in clearly across the board we saw it, we saw the energy, we saw the enthusiasm, you know, I I said section 22 uh, right above the the team and just seeing him talk to the players, seeing him firing it up you know, talking to his guys coming off the field not really overly done, you know he definitely was focused and it wasn't overly sold but just really sincere interest in his guys and pumping them up and, and really being plugged in and I think that really showed itself on the field and afterward with players talking about the differences and how they
0: felt about him yeah i mean he was a very popular guy I, I, this is kind of strange for me I, you've been through coaching changes and stuff when you're tenure and you've seen other ones come and go you know right. with the ted tolder and all that stuff but sure. the more that ed orgeron changes things and the more popular he is with the players no one's saying a bad word about Lane Kiffin, but you—the you, longer this goes on, where he seems to be changing just about everything, and it, it seems yeah. to be working—is—is is that kind of like, is it like an insult, like a, an offhand insult at what Lane Kiffin was doing, or how do you see that all, how that comes out? Well, I think it's a good question, but I think you have to go with what works,
1: and, and we know clearly losing four of the last seven games, the issues coming down the stretch, going, you know, finishing seven and six, the bowl game, we know it didn't work, and everybody knew it didn't work. And so there was a lot of passion around that with the team not really playing like Trojans, and, and that was lost last year, and then having some of the issues Washington State at home and, and even in the wins uh, really being uninspiring. So I think we saw that it wasn't working. <clears throat> and with Coach O coming in, bringing in the passion, you know, one team, one heartbeat, bringing these guys together, you know, really reminding, uh, I think, the Trojan family of what it means to be a Trojan. So I think really him rallying, the team and knowing what he needs to do to get this thing back on track, you know, he's called it an eight game season. We're, We're one into this game. We've got a huge game against Notre Dame this week. And so I think that there's a lot that we have to take a look at, you know, what's ahead and not behind. It isn't so much about where we've been, it's where we're going. And so I think it's getting these guys together, rallying the team together, getting these guys fired up, getting them to buy in. We know we're thin. We know we've had some injuries, but there's no excuses. And that's not what we, you know, that's not what we, uh, it's not a crutch. And that's not what we, uh, you know, Look, look to to make excuses for. So I think really having the opportunity to get these guys fired up, it really becomes less about what it was and really about where we're going with this nucleus of guys, with the family, with the teams, uh really buying.
0: Yeah, you know, I think if you watch the uh, press conference after the game that and yeah. Cody Kessler's uh say I think him saying it all was no offense to or you know, no no disrespect to the previous coach, but right. we would run through a wall <laughs> for it or drawn. Man, the players just seem to. They bought in right away, it seems like.
1: Well, I think that, you know, my, my take is they always wanted to play for Coach O. I mean, not, not, a, not in the sense of him being a head guy, but the emotion and him really being the heart and soul of this, of this coaching staff and of this football team. I think he inspires that. But I think when you've got a guy in the top, and, and again, I'm not in the locker room, I don't see what's happening that to me had really been watered down to some extent, you know, when you're not the head guy, when you're not the first team quarterback, you are kind of taking a back seat. And so I think even if you want to lead, and you want to do that, uh, you know, you really, it's not your show to run. And so I think now that he's been empowered by Pat Hayden to be the guy, I think you're really getting to see him, you know, with who he is and really bringing that heart, soul, passion, everything he embodies and brings together. You know, he had a head coaching run as we know at Ole Miss. It wasn't, overly successful 10 and 25 in the, in the tough Southeastern conference. But I think he learned a lot from it. You've heard him talk about it. And I think, you know, he is the the right guy at this time right now. There's no need for us to be talking about, you know, coaching hires and who's going to come in. I think really the focus needs to be on Notre Dame and on this football team right now, one week at a time.
0: The, uh, it was funny, uh, before the show, we started talking about thoughts on the game and, uh, when I was listening to the the players talk in the press conference in order to draw, I mean, everyone was happy. He got a Gatorade bath. It was his first win. There was a lot of positive, you know, uh, vibes on the field and in the locker room or you know, or in the media room afterwards. Then I get to I go to uscfootball.com dot com, check out the peristyle yeah. and there's a lot of people that weren't happy yeah. uh, with the defensive performance. We're going to talk about the secondary in yeah. a little bit, um, but and you know, without a Morgan Breslin out there, who you know, obviously causes a lot of problems for opposing quarterbacks and can, can generate a lot of pressure. J.R. Tavai, who's comes in and we haven't seen him for a while because he's been injured and, and I don't know how we didn't, no one really asked about this. Uh, I think people were focused on the negative in, the, in our, our regular podcast. We didn't even mention J.R. Tavai's name, which I'm kicking myself over. Uh, yeah. And you mentioned it beforehand. Man, sure. I mean, that was pretty inspiring performance of what he put on there. One of Ed Orgeron's guys comes in and, and just really makes plays all day. Well, I think this the big thing about it is a W. You know, we had to have a win. At this time right now, we had to have
1: a win. Looking for our first win in conference, you know, being 0-2 and embarrassed at Arizona State, giving up 62 points, all the things we know, and then having, you know, the coaching transition, having a bye week to kind of help us get over that. But this was a, just a monumental, uh, just monumentally important uh, week. And so to come in and get the win, even if it wasn't pretty, Even if we did give up some things late in the game and made it a much closer game than really it should have been, I think clearly... I I really think that getting that W and taking away the positives is more important than just focusing on the negatives. I think there are some things we can do. We'll talk a little bit about the defense in a bit. But I think that you do take away, you know, converting over 46% on third down. You do uh, take a look at protecting uh, the football. We did a very good job of it. The running back, arsenal of running backs that we had, uh, you know, with five guys going over 30 yards. You pulled that stat up earlier in the week or last week. But uh, anyway, I, I just think that there's a lot of very good things. Stretching the football. We can get into the offense a little bit, but stretching the football, the play calling, a lot to be really happy about. And and clearly, more than anything, we had to have a W. We had to get that first conference win. We had to build on it. I think it was a win that we can build on. And we need to address, uh, you know, some of the things that took place in the secondary and 363 yards passing given up that uh, needs to needs to get better quickly. But all in all, the W is what was needed. Uh, again, certain players that stepped up. J.R. Tavai had a monster game. Uh, Leonard Williams in the middle played really, really well. And the offensive side of the ball, but the uh, the onslaught of the running backs was something I'm very, very uh, inspired and fired up on.
0: The uh, You mentioned the, the five players rushing over uh, 30 yards. Cody Kessler was among them. Um, and it was funny that, that USC provides some stats after the game and some notes. And One of the notes was the last time that happened, and now I might get the date wrong, but Shane, you'll remember, but the last time that happened where five USC Trojans rushed for more than 30 yards in a single game, Shane Foley was one of those rushers. <laughs> man, you had to go deep on that stat,
1: Ryan. I appreciate the, uh, the love on that, man. But no, it was, uh, you know, I mean, just a quick, Trip down memory memory uh, memory lane. <laughs> we actually uh, were playing out at ASU. Mazio Royster was the tailback. Scott Lockwood was the other running back back there. A lot of Trojans will remember those guys. And uh, I had 60 yards rushing that that uh, day. And so Mazio Royster and Scott Lockwood both were knocked out with concussions. And uh, so we had some other guys uh, that came in and. uh, uh, had had some runs that day and, and uh, contributed. So yeah, we had to go back pretty far. But this year, I think you know, I think it's a, it's exciting to see. Clearly, Trey Madden has been the surprise of the team this year. Early on, it's not a surprise anymore. He's he's hammering the ball and doing a great job. You know, game in and game out. I know he had a little injury. Uh, that hopefully he 's going to be back and recover from it was great to see Silas Red come back in and really take ownership on that last drive to see him hit the ball up in there and, and really run with authority. Just the passion you could just see that it was so so just fired up the rest of the team, fired up the sideline, fired up the crowd and so I think that was really great to see Justin Davis doing what he does at the speed running downhill. Uh, I think he gives us an added element that we just, we've just we been missing, so I think seeing him do do what he does. Buck Allen coming in there, giving a, uh, paying homage to Sam Deb Cunningham, <laughs> jumping over <laughs> and breaking tackles, doing what he does. And then Ty Isaacs, you know, really rounding it out as a big, strong back and seeing him really getting his first substantial action was great to see him respond. So I think having this uh, entourage, if you will, of running backs, I think is going to pay off very, very well uh, as we get down the stretch and having that depth is, is something we haven't had in a long time.
0: I loved seeing uh, Buck Allen out there doing well, and it, it's it, sometimes it's frustrating when you cover this team. and We'd go to workouts and uh, watch practice and watch off-season workouts, and we keep saying Buck Allen looks really good, and then he would never yeah. play, and then people like you're full of crap, you don't know what you're talking about, and I'm like sure. really, I, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm an expert, but to me it looked like he was pretty good, and then when he finally gets an opportunity, boom! I think the same thing happened with Allen Bradford, where he used to break 80-yard yeah. runs in practice all the time. Then they never they didn't play him. They played him against UCLA or whatever. And he ran for 200 yards. But yeah. yeah, it was nice to see Buck Allen come out and and break through.
1: Well, it really was. And and I don't know about the past regime and, and getting in guys' doghouses, uh, guys getting in, you know in his doghouse, that kind of thing. But I think that uh, yeah, I, seeing these guys and having them bust out. I mean, Buck Allen averaged I think over six yards a carry. Uh, you know, really two touchdowns. Uh, you know, getting around the edge on the on the one play, and then and then. Jumping over, and uh, just showing that passion and, and playing as well as he did. And there's been a lot of talk about Buck Allen, as you've said. So to see these guys all have success, to see them all come and run hard with different styles and really complement each other, not take away from each other, was really, really good to see. It was just fired up. Uh, you know, again, I think Silas coming back in, uh, you know, coming back in and, and you know getting 80 yards and, and uh, averaging over four. But really, I think that the one of the primary things and primary takeaways from this game, Ryan, that you have to look at as a Trojan fan, is is really, at the end of the game, our backs are to the wall. They had all the momentum, you know, that two-play touchdown drive there that cut the uh, game to 38-31, you know, and then we're backed up, you know, on that uh, kickoff and, you know, have the ball in our own five-yard line. That is when a team has to dig in, and we have not been able to do that in the past, at least not consistently. Going back to 2011, I think the second half of the year when we caught fire was the last time that our offensive line really took charge and, and, and really was able to run the ball physically. Uh, consistently. I think that was the big thing, you know, coming in, you know, needing to get first downs, knowing that they're, you know, that we're going to run the football, loading the box and running it anyway. I mean, that was huge, some huge blocks. And Silas red really hitting the ball in there and and running with authority, uh, like he did, knowing that he was going to be running, knowing that S C was going to be running was just huge. And, And some of the blocks that were made on that, certainly the left side of the line, we run over the left side a lot and seeing those guys have some success. Uh, was phenomenal. But one of my favorite things that I saw was a crack back by uh, Aguilar who came back and uh, Silas Red got hit pretty good, knocked him backward, and, and uh, actually Aguilar came off his first block, which was a phenomenal block, and came back on and took the guy out. So seeing those guys downfield doing a great job, seeing the offensive line really respond and play with the toughness and the orneriness that uh, that I think Co- Coach Summers and, and Coach Run are looking for from the offensive line was uh, firing firing the uh,
0: USC faithful up. That's a good point. I mean, it wasn't that wasn't sexy to get the ball deep in your own territory and have to try to run the clock out for four minutes, but that was effective. And I, I don't think everyone's going to come away. I mean, I think some of the fans were a little, the bad taste in your mouth was giving up the late scores, but it's a great point where you're saying that, Hey, when have you seen this team have the nastiness to say, we're going to take the ball and we're going to run it down your throat and, 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 You know, run the clock out, take care of the rest of the game. Certainly not sexy, but I think that's something that's a good attribute to have for a team like that.
1: Yeah, go back to Notre Dame 2011. That was the last time. When we came out and and actually ran the football on their night game, just like it's going to be this Saturday. But coming out and and seeing our offensive line take control of the line of scrimmage back then, it's been a long time coming since we've really just played with that kind of toughness. Just knowing that we're gonna, you know, line up mono and mono, go after it, knock those guys back, and make plays. And so I think seeing seeing that, you know, seeing these guys, you know, in a week and a half under Coach O's leadership, uh, you know, and then I'm sure, you know, kind of digging in on this thing. But I mean, having that toughness and having that uh, desire to get downfield to make blocks to get to win that first battle up front, and and that's that's a lot of football is about winning one on one battles. So I think, win, you know, again, winning those one-on-one battles, and that's a lot of what football is, and so it's important. To you know, to to be able to just the continuity to be able to run it and run it physically. Coach O's talked about it. He's emphasized it, and I think that toughness is going to be what, especially going on the road in loud environments. We're going to have to continue that, and it was a great, I think, a great thing to build on in this game. I, I know some people again were upset about the uh, about giving up plays and big plays in the fourth quarter, and that's going to have to improve. But this uh, this takeaway from this, you know, is a very good sign on things to build on.
0: The, uh, the play calling, I think, uh, seemed to be a little bit different. I, you know, I, the first series was interesting where they went no huddle, went three and out real quickly, yeah. and then, boom, come back over the top. Uh, really yeah. nice body control by Nelson Aguilar. What did you see that was different, I guess, with the play calling or what impressed you?
1: I just saw some more urgency, you know, I just saw more urgency, and that doesn't mean a hurry up all the time. It doesn't mean Oregon's offense it doesn't mean you know running a hurry up, but I just saw a lot more attention to detail. I saw paying attention to the clock late in the game when we when we needed. To uh, to you know, drain the clock and let it run out. I saw a lot of that kind of detail, which was phenomenal. But early in the game, I saw Coach Holton really stretch the field. You saw things that we just have not seen in a long time. And that you know, again, we we've, we've seen a play here or there where we stretched the field against Utah State and they gave him a standing O, even though it was incomplete. <laughs> this was was you know it was huge. Nelson Aguilar uh, did have a couple of drops, but I think by by far. It was a very, very positive game for him. And I think he's going to do nothing but get better. I think he fought that ball a little bit on the first play, but he made it, you know, came down and we scored a touchdown, really got the game started in the right direction. Trey Madden getting the, when's the last time you saw a back getting down the field in the scene like that and uh, throwing it over the linebackers and then making a cut like Trey Madden did to make it 14 nothing, made a huge, huge play to go up 14 nothing and really get the crowd uh, fired up. So I think you just saw a lot of, um, yeah, I, I just think you saw a lot a very good mix of of running the ball but also stretching and putting the ball uh in the in the players' hands that you just have not seen. Throwing the ball to the tight end, throwing the ball to the backs. You just had a lot of engagement from more players and I think that's what you have to take a look at is, you know, how they got guys involved in the offense. And uh, Randall Telfer, uh, you know, having a couple of catches. Victor Blackwell getting his his catches. I think having some of these things uh, with younger guys coming in and, and some walk-ons in certain situations, having an opportunity to come in and make plays. And that's what these guys are going to have to continue to do, is uh, you know, getting guys involved in the offense. And you know, on the play-calling side, I think Coach Hilton will continue to take what the defense gives him. And and I think we're going to stretch the field a lot more. And that's going to open up the running game. We saw that. You know, by stretching the ball, by stretching the, the field, and really getting the ball downfield, we saw opportunities for, uh, you know, for us to really run the ball and pound the football. And so that, that kind of balance is what's been lacking, even though we, we've talked about it being balanced. It really has not been. They have loaded the boxes we've seen in the past. And so to really have true balance and getting the ball downfield, they're going to have to respect that, and that's something that's going to open up the offense uh, going forward.
0: Yeah, I mean, to me, it seemed like a lot of the the Lane Kiffin stuff was was offense that was varied, but it was always along the line of scrimmage or mostly along the line of scrimmage. So you're giving it's kind of tipping off the defense that that's what you're going to have to defend. It it seemed like there was more intermediate stuff going on. You had to defend not just the line of scrimmage, but yet, you know, out the flats and downfield a little bit and deep, you know, as well. It seemed like that just opened things up for everything else.
1: Well, I think you had, and I've written about it, I've talked about it, Marquis Lee's a tremendous talent. We all know that. We've we've heard the Pac-12 coaches talking about him, giving him accolades, and and he's deserving of those. He's extremely, he's a special player. But I think when you have such a desire to get the ball in one guy's hands with bubble screens, with short passes, you know, close to the line of scrimmage, I think it really takes away, does not add to the football team. And so when you've got a team that's really uh, focused on getting it to one guy and you start you know, putting all the passes, again, as you said, kind of laterally and close to the line of scrimmage, it ends up hurting your football team, and so I think ultimately, when you get the ball to Aguilar, when you get the ball to, to the tight ends, when you have a running back getting down the field, not just catching it in the flat, I think that gives a defense and a defensive coordinator a lot to think about with the types of uh, design that uh, that the Trojans are coming with, is how do they defend, and you got a back like Trey Madden is 230 pounds, and Silas Red, who ran like a beast, you know, hitting the ball in there and slashing he doesn't look like he missed a step it was phenomenal to see and then you know certainly the change up with buck allen and with some of the other backs that uh justin davis that are getting carries i think that gives a defensive coordinator a lot of a lot to think about and a lot of trouble so i'm excited about uh
0: about seeing what uh, coach hilton calls this game coming up the uh mentioned the secondary before i know you had uh, some takes on that with obviously there's some big plays given up late in the half late in the game uh what did you think about what's going on with the USC secondary right now?
1: Well, it's certainly been a lot talked about, as you alluded to earlier. You know, you've got the peristyle that uh, a lot of people have been unhappy. I think that there certainly were some plays that hurt us, and, and certainly big plays. If you take a look at Clancy Pendergast's style and his scheme, there are going to be a lot of one-on-one situations. I mean, he does put his defense traditionally, the style of defense that he runs, attacking with one-on-one situations where defensive backs are going to have to make plays. And that's just something that, that is part of his defense. And so when you take a look at it, those were plays that you're, we're going to have to improve on. I mean, two of them, an out-and-up or a wheel route uh, where, you know, Sue Cravens was left pretty flat-footed and they ran right by him there. And then the, the hitch-and-go uh, earlier in the game, where Torren Harris bent on it badly and, and you know one on one out there and was exposed on that play, those are those are uh, those are tough and we're going to have to we're going to have to make some changes and get better uh, do, defending those plays. But if you take a look at Arizona State, which obviously was a, a horrible game for us defensively and we gave up a lot of big plays, uh, Taylor Kelly in that game made some big throws, you know, to the outside shoulder uh, on the backside shoulder, which is tough to defend and, and their their receivers did a good job. But the two big plays that you take away from Arizona State were blown coverages. So You had missed assignments in that game where guys were wide open, running uncontested, not because they got burned, but because SC had really been in the wrong defense and had guys, you know, two guys covering one guy. And those were different than what we saw against Arizona. Arizona was what, averaging 112 yards passing coming into this game. They finished with 363. This guy's got a career day. Looks like, (laughs) uh, you know, looks like an (laughs) All-American against our defense. you know, a lot of credit has to be given to the running back. I mean, Casey's a phenomenal running back. He's going to be playing in the NFL. uh, Very, very good. And we respected that. And I think we did a pretty good job neutralizing him and controlling him. But the defensive secondary in this game, I know they're doing a lot of work. They're talking about Anthony Brown being ready to go, you know, possibly in this game. I think from a personal, personnel standpoint, I, I would play Josh Shaw at corner. I'd, I'd put him out there at corner. I'd have him out there. I think he's physical. He's a specimen. And I think he can line up and match up uh, against big physical receivers that we're seeing against Arizona and also against Arizona State where we just got out physical. So I'd have Josh Shaw out there. Um, You know, Kevon Seymour is still, I think, maturing, and and, uh, I think he's going to be a very good corner. I think he needs to grow in that quickly. Deion Bailey, you know, got beat on on a play where he took a gamble that did not pay off, and we're going to have to play a little bit more conservatively out there, especially in one on one situations. But uh, I think those are really, I think, some differences that you saw between Arizona State and Arizona, both bad, you know, both areas (laughs) that we need to improve on. But uh, clearly we need to, uh, you know, again, unless we're going to a zone, it's going to be a situation where these guys are going to have to, you know, there's an old saying, live by the blitz, die by the blitz. You know, and if we're bringing guys up and pressuring and playing guys in one-on-one situation, we'd better be doing a lot of work in seven-on-seven and one-on-ones with these guys being able to, uh, to defend.
0: We had a question wrote in from a retired, uh, retired Sergeant uh, Jesse Rodriguez He says, is the lack of depth on the defensive secondary leading to the second half lack of uh, quality play? And do you think it's something that Coach, is there something that Coach Pendergast can do to help mask uh, the defense or pull the safeties back? It seems like we're constantly getting beat down the middle. Uh, Thanks from the Northwest and fight on. That's from Jesse Rodriguez.
1: Yeah, well, Jesse, I think you bring up uh, some important questions, but I think a big part of it is, you know, again, it's the the type of defense we're running. These guys shouldn't be any more tired than the receivers are. I mean, obviously, if you got depth and you got receivers running in and out, but these were the same receivers that were catching passes all night. So I don't think it's necessarily a lack of depth. You know, we have had issues with injuries at corner, as we know, with uh, with Shelton and with Anthony Brown. But I think that uh, we have to get these guys playing at a level. We got we have some youth. I mean. Uh, when you take a look at Sua Cravens, everybody knows that he has got a great opportunity to, to be the next great safety at USC. He's a true freshman. He needs to, uh, you know, he he needs to step up and and play what he's capable of doing, and capable of, or capable of playing. And I think that uh, again, Josh Shaw, Deion Bailey, these guys have been in the program. They've been around. They need to make the plays. They are capable. I think they're, uh, you know, they have the ability to do it. I'm not sure what's happening with Demetrius Wright. You know, he had made an Im- impact uh, a couple of games ago and, and, and made, you know, made some big plays, has not been as involved in the defense from the secondary standpoint the last couple of games. But uh, there are some questions with some guys, and they're, they're going to need to keep guys in front of them. You know, that's you can't get beat deep. That's the old saying for a defensive back. You cannot give up big plays and get beat deep. It, it's a game-changer, and it and, uh, can, can kill you. So <laughs> yeah. we're going to need to get better at it uh, quickly
0: uh rafa wrote in we got a couple of quick ones for you and then we'll let you go uh shane rafa wrote in sure. thursday night The fans the excitement were back in the stadium do you think that coach o can keep this energy going for the rest of the year he seems to have the buy-in of both the fans and most importantly the team
1: I absolutely do. I absolutely do. I don't think this is a fad or something that that, uh, it's authentic with Coach O. And I think the players know that. uh, This isn't for show. This is who he is. And so I think the energy and the passion and the heart and what he brings, you know, one team – uh, and and just the the unity that he has, I think is gonna. I think it's gonna really continue for the rest of the season. This is a huge game against Notre Dame. Playing against your rival in this situation, it's gonna be. Uh, it's gonna be loud back there. It's uh, you know, for anybody that's been back there. I mean, it's a it's an intimate stadium, and it's gonna be. You know, these guys are gonna be fired up, and so we we're gonna need to match that. That was one of the issues, Ryan, that I'll touch on. Is last year, several times down the stretch, UCLA, namely, uh, several other games. Clearly, the uh, the bowl game where we didn't have the energy that really matched what the other team did. So it almost looked like we would come out listless, uninspired, not fired up, and, and, and clearly in certain situations not ready to play the football game. And so I think that's going to be much different. You're going to have guys that have already bought in. You had uh, the quote that Cody Kessler said earlier, run through a wall for that for the coach, go to war, uh, wherever it is, you know, for that coach. So I don't think this is something that's going to be fleeting. And, and Coach o understands the culture. He's been at USC for 11 years, you know, not consecutively, but he's been in the program. He understands what it means to be a Trojan. He understands the Trojan family. And uh, I think he's going to have buy-in from
0: from the team and, and also from future Trojans that are watching uh, USC play as well. And one last thing before I let you go. I know uh, the USC's didn't have a great run against Notre Dame when you were in school, uh, right. which was when I was in school <laughs> as well. Right. We were both there about yep. the same time. Uh, yeah. But what do you think about going into this uh, this big game here for Coach on the second game as the head coach, and you get to play Notre Dame? You know,
1: I think he's going to be so fired up. I think, uh, you know, again, I talked about it a little bit earlier. I think that he's going to he, – he's a head coach now. And so I think he needs to – and he is, you know, being a head coach. He's spending time with the offense, the defense, the special teams. Uh, this has a special meaning. You know, USC and Notre Dame – the respect, I think the mutual respect that both teams have for each other, the national championships, the Heismans, uh, everything that both schools represent. It's a very, very old rivalry and the oldest intersectional rivalry in the country. So I think any player that comes to USC can understand and appreciate that uh, this game. And so I I think going out to it, I think Coach O is going to bring – Everything that that he believes in, which is you know the heart and soul of of u s c and getting fired up and playing your rival, but I also think he's going to you know work on these guys making some of the adjustments and making the improvements week over week, and controlling you know again what we can do, which is getting better on the defensive side of the ball, continuing uh, to to move the ball around on the offensive side of the ball. Protecting the football, making good decisions by Kessler managing the game being a you know being a field general out there, he made great strides as a quarterback, I think in this last game against Arizona, so I think there's a lot to build on, and I think emotionally, I think he's going to have these guys prepped and ready to play, going into you know into Notre Dame and touchdown Jesus and everything that's there it's it's one of a kind, and so I think you know he's going to be ready for it. It's the second game in the eight-game season that he's talking about. I think there's a ton of opportunity uh, for us to, to go out and, and to really play these guys and play a great game and get a win, and I'm excited about it. And it should be a lot of fun, so I'm fired up, and I know you are too, Ryan, and ready to get out there. I'm going to be out there uh, Thursday to Sunday, and I and, uh, wish I could suit up.
0: All right. <laughs> we'll see we'll see how cody kessler plays maybe they want you to suit up too but i don't know
1: <laughs> <laughs> no kessler will be just fine but uh no it's it's great all trojans get back there i know you guys are gonna be fired up and uh certainly looking forward to uh seeing the game on saturday night and uh it, it would be a special game for us
0: all right well great stuff shane thanks so much uh at shane foley usc on twitter or you can go to shanefoley.com to check them out and check out the foley report uh great stuff though thanks so much for taking some time
1: Hey, Ryan, thanks again for having me, and uh, look forward to talking again soon.
0: Sounds good. All right, everyone else, thank you so much for tuning in to the Armchair Quarterback Podcast. Back again next week with a regular show. Enjoy the USC weekend at Notre Dame.